Welcome to the Avance Podcast, recording live at MotoFish. I'm Dan. I'm Nick. And I'm Randy. And Randy's with us today. <laughs> We're going to talk to Randy Pope Somebody today. jumped the gun a little uh, bit there. A little bit there. Jesus. Yeah. No. <laughs> uh, we normally do a Carter Subaru Carter Automotive Group Tip of the Week, and it was inspired by you because I've been watching your videos, as I always have, and you said, the most important part of a car is what? The driver. Next to that part. The tires. There you go. That's right. <laughs> And it was a high of 41 degrees this morning when I woke up in Snoqualmie, so it's nice and toasty, and exotics at Ribbon Town Center is opening up, which means people are swapping. I did a little research. I actually reached out to Michelin, I said, what is the, the temperature range of a Pilot Sport 4S, which, in my opinion, is one of the best road tires you can buy? Guess what? 40 degrees. That is when they recommend you, that is the minimum temperature for that tire. And it's still too low. Your tires are going to be slick. You're going to slide all over the place. But... That means right now is the time to reach out, swap out those winter tires, get on your summer tires, get ready for driving season. So, and if it is you are higher up north, like a few of us in the audience are, like North Bend, don't do it yet. Wait a couple, wait like two or three more weeks when it's a little above, like not freezing in the morning or switch to other vehicle. But just so you know, that's when you want to swap your winter tires to your summer tires. I think we're in that season now. So thank you, Randy, for that. Thank God. That is our Carter <laughs> Automotive Group tip of the week. <laughs> Thanks to you. I'm honored. So are we to have you. <laughs> I agree on the Michelin. What a great tire. Yeah. But it seems like it's only very recently that we've heard this part about temperature. Yeah. Right? When, when, not that long ago, I never heard a manufacturer talk about a minimum temperature for a tire. Yeah. And sometimes now our track tires, they say if they ever go below a certain temperature, don't run them again. Wow. Does it change the compound that much? That's what I hear. Wow. Can they want to sell tires. <laughs> yeah, probably. Were your tires outside in the snow? You should buy some new ones. <laughs> you always have to consider the source. No, right? I agree. I mean, I, I think there's, I mean, I would think if it sits outside in, in, in vast temperatures for too long, obviously we've seen cracking and things like that. But I mean, that's seems- flat spotting. Yeah. 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 But okay. Well. Marketing. And, yeah, I noticed it more on my motorcycle tires, though. That was yeah. temperature really factored into me. Oh, but that doesn't really matter on a motorcycle. <laughs> on the dirt. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Yeah, that was... <laughs> you are two. right. There's the monkey tires two. are shit in the snow. So, yeah, <laughs> pretty much. So. It's interesting. I mean, we talk about considering the source. Uh, over the years, I have not paid a whole lot of attention to recommended pressures from manufacturers. Ah. because typically the higher a pressure is, the more load a tire can handle. Uh, the stronger it is, yeah. the less likely it is to ever fail. But conversely, the lower the pressure is to a point, the better the grip is. Right. So there's this balance between low pressure for grip, high pressure for longe longevity and durability, and uh, the the manufacturers rarely want to recommend a low pressure. Many times you'll see tires that work at lower pressures. Yeah. But I think you're on your own if you try that. Are they more worried about like passenger tires at lower pressures, like the sidewall failing and things like that? You know, some lower, Volvo creating through mileage. a Southways parking lot? Yeah. The lower the pressure is, the more sidewall flex there is. Yeah. Yeah. The more sidewall flex there is, the more heat there is. Okay. And heat destroys a tire if there's too much. To a point, right? There's a there's a point there, and the manufacturers don't want you anywhere near it. I, this happened first for me at Daytona. Okay. Daytona, we have a high banked corners, right? Yep. So in a high banked corner, centrifugal force is driving your car down into the pavement. So your car is essentially a lot heavier than usual. 
Then you add to that a wing or something, you'd have any aerodynamic force. At Daytona, you're at the highest speeds you're going to see anywhere. You have the most downforce you'll ever have. So tire failures are common, and the recommended pressures are just crazy high. Yeah. Uh, a tire that you normally run uh, slick, say 30 pounds, hot, they're, uh, they're making, asking for you to run 40, 42. And that'll make the tire last forever, but you're going to lose. Yeah, you're going to slide everywhere. So you have to huh. make your own decision. You said a word that reminded me of something you talked about that I wanted to touch on is downforce. You did. You were talking about the GT2 RS versus the GT3 RS and Porsche engineers and downforce. And I wanted to ask you about your favorite car. And Porsche lives up to the hype. In case anybody's wondering, if you drive one, you kind of know they do. What is your favorite car you've tested? Well, I hate to be trite, but... Please do. The car that I have most enjoyed recently having hot hot lapped on the track or maybe like ever but the more recent memories are more fresh <laughs> so there's a bias but it was a porsche gt2 rs the car just did everything right it was stock it was a factory press car with a track alignment on it and the uh, i call him a pr guy for porsche his name's frank wiesman mm -hmm. i think he was really like communications or some title well the guy has raced he was a car tester himself for a german car magazine i can't remember which one automoto sport or something sport yeah. <laughs> i don't know but he is a good crew chief and over the years i worked with him a lot on hot lapping when i was hot lapping for motor trend magazine and Frank had a track alignment on the car. He took care of the tire pressures and the tires and et cetera, et cetera. They were also uh, Michelin Pilot Sport R, whatever. Oh, oh Cup 2 two R's. R's. Yeah. Cup 2 R. <laughs> and uh, so there was an advantage there to having a super sticky tire. And the car, this was at Road Atlanta. Mm -hmm. It just did everything right. But I also hot lapped it with Motor Trend at Laguna Seca. And, I'm, and we ran it at Willow Springs also. So I've been to several tracks Rough. in <laughs> press cars. Yeah. And for me, a good handling car practically drives itself. I don't believe in chasing a car. I don't like to. It can be fun if you want to drift, but it can also cause crashes. It's testing your car control. So no Vipers and, or Corvettes in your future. <laughs> <laughs> well, They're that, that's a whole other good story, <laughs> yeah. actually. Uh, I got into a Twitter war with the guys at uh, Dodge SRT on the Viper. And uh, the GT2 RS did not take much effort. It, it, I just turn the wheel and it goes through the corner. I don't have to think about, oh, I better trail brake it longer. I better go back to power early and settle it. Uh-uh just did everything right and i've driven other gt2 rs's that were modified and something i tell people is don't modify your your 2 rs or your 3 rs they're so good stock then it's very easy to screw it up and what i learned about those cars I, I've, I've tested hot lapped factory stock prepared cars for motor trend for 12 years yeah and a lot of those, uh, I mean, all those Porsches, over the years, I found that the closer we got to motorsports, the worse they handled. <laughs> and I have so a reason more, for more that. So the more modifications you're saying is. 
or, or close uh, no, to the race car? No, no, these were all factory prepared cars, so they were stock, okay. as stock as they wanted them to be. And Porsche was really very reliable about that. Huh. I never had the impression that they were messing with their test cars. Unlike some brands, like Ferrari, <laughs> um, <laughs> they, they seemed real. Yeah. Because I drive them outside that arena. And I found that the closer they got to motorsport, the worse they handled. By worse, I mean they were, they were twitchy. Yeah. Tail happy, twitchy. And I blame Chrissy. <laughs> Where's Chrissy? Oh, I know. I, I can, did she leave? I blame yeah, she's her. She's hiding in the corner. You, Chrissy. Yeah. What did, what did you race? Go-karts. Go karts. Yep, solid axles. Porsche has an amazing cadre of factory drivers, almost all of whom grew up from six years old racing their brains out in carts. Well, carts are a different animal. Mm -hmm. They have no suspension. They have a solid axle, just a chain drive solid axle, no differential. And if they're not twitchy and loose they will never turn at all you'll go into a corner and just <laughs> plow off the road because that's when i drive them that's what i do yeah. because i i drive it like a car i do a trail brake slow release lay it in the corner push because the rear axle the wheels are connected to each other there's no differential and those wheels want to go the same speed and it makes the car want to go straight well, did you know that, Dan? I did. You can run somebody off the track if you do that. I did. And then they get black flagged. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking he about. He ran me off the track, and I got black flagged. In a go-kart. <laughs> In a go-kart. Rubin's Sorry. racing. Uh, <laughs> that wasn't Rubin. You run me over. <laughs> that sounds like Max Verstappen. Is that where you learned that? Probably. I'm going to go with that. Yeah. <laughs> that makes me Hamilton. I'm not happy. <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole other discussion. Yeah. yeah. But... I blame it on carts because they, the streetcar Porsches are set up by their engineers and their chassis dynamics guys. Mm -hmm. The race cars are set up by the factory drivers yeah. who grew up racing carts. So if you're six years old and you're racing a cart for 12 years, now you're 17, 18 years old, and you're good, you're really good, Porsche picks you out. They, they let you run Carrera Cup. You're winning. How do you want that car to handle? How are you going to set that yeah, up? Yeah, just like a cart. Like a cart. Yeah. That's what I realized was that these motorsport cars handled like a, a go-kart, mm -hmm. uh, you know, a fast one, twitchy. And you kind of hang it on the back tire and you're, I don't want to work that hard. I, in my career, I found a lot of times when I'm winning, I'm relaxed and I'm comfortable and I'm looking in the mirror. I'm like, what is wrong with those guys? And yeah. How come they can't keep up? I'm not even trying. Well, when the car's right to me, that's what it's like. So the regular Porsches were my favorite for many years. You know, the, the original base came in in 2006, beautifully balanced. It wouldn't pick up oil and it would blow the motor. Some of you guys might know. Yeah. I'm like, Porsche, did you ever drive the Cayman on the racetrack? <laughs> I mean, but it handled fantastically. Yeah. And the 9-11, um, uh, one of my favorites was the 50th anniversary. Where we were, Alex, we were arguing about what, what year was the 50th anniversary. And I think it was 14. Beautifully balanced car. And then the GT3 was kind of loose. 
But the GT3s, I, I don't even know if they still have this, but the 997s had adjustable anti-sway bars. Oh, yeah. So you could make it how you want it. Yeah. So did the 996s. And I learned, in fact, I would always tell people back in the early 2000s when I was into Porsches up to here, racing them all the time, I'd meet a guy at a track day, what's your car? Oh, I have a 996 GT3. Where are your sway bars? <laughs> like front and the rear? Under tighten, the car? <laughs> tighten the front one and yeah. soften the rear, rear one before you crash the car. <laughs> because the way they came was loose and yeah. twitchy. But I think that's why they allowed the bars. So that you had the option of making this thing less loose or more loose, depending on how you like to drive. But in my opinion, a balanced car that's easy to drive is the fastest car you're going to win. If a car's loose, it's hard on the back tires. Well, on a 911, what are the only tires that matter? The back tires. Yeah. And when do they matter? When do you win the race? Out of the corners. When you're in first. <laughs> no. When? Do you win the race in the first corner? No. You win the race at the end in of the, the last, last lap. Yeah. And so you got to keep your tires on. That'll be in first. Yeah. Yeah. You, gotta, you <laughs> don't have to be in first. No, so you don't, no, you don't have to be in first That's until okay, fine, yeah. you cross the finish line. All right. <laughs> That's true. You know, speaking of fast and loose, I want to talk to you about. <laughs> ah, not that. Uh, <laughs> I want to talk to you rodeo? about. <laughs> uh, Pikes Peak 2020. Oh. One of my... Uh, I can't remember my head still ringing. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, you had, but you, you still managed to pull off a pretty good, uh, I wouldn't say, not a win at that race, but <laughs> really close, and then you won next year. 1.2 seconds. Yes. After... But it wasn't me that pulled that off, it was the team. Unplugged performance. I ran Pikes Peak Hill Climb in 2020 in a Tesla Model 3, and I wrecked it. Yeah. And we could sit here all night. I got some really good excuses. <laughs> I, re I really do. How actually. was your tire pressure? Uh, cold. <laughs> yeah, that can change things. Cold. Okay. It, was in, it was in the 30s. Fair. The, that was uh, one of the um, problems. It was sad. <laughs> it was so sad. We had qualified so well the day before. And you qualify on the bottom section. At Pikes Peak, you practice in three sections. You don't do it all at once until race day. It's one of the crazy things about this hill climb. And on the bottom section, that's qualifying. And what that really means is your starting order. And the car was perfect. Tesla Model 3. Electric cars make great hill climb cars because they have instant torque and they're not affected by altitude. You know, your normally aspirated cars are wheezing up there. Although I've seen guys go very fast in 911 Cup cars. Normally aspirated. That amazes me. And Batim. Yeah. 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 Batim, I've known him since he was 19 years old. So have I. <laughs> Actually, yeah, maybe some of you yeah. guys were in his neighborhood here. Yeah. <laughs> Love that guy. Yeah. But Jeff Swart drove a yeah. cup car several times and did very well. So that's surprising to me. Normally aspirated. An electric car doesn't care about altitude. And the electric cars use up their batteries very quickly when you go flat out. <laughs> but it's only 10 minutes. Yeah. And you got 10 minutes in a Tesla anyway. Barely. <laughs> and That's so fast up that hill. Yes. <laughs> so I'm racing this car on, in the qualifying. Everything's perfect. We had tested it at Laguna Seca. Everything's perfect. And the second day we were on the top section. Right, and I knew it was rough 
They told me it was very balanced, but we'd had, you know, I hit curbs and things. Car never moved. It was so beautifully balanced. Everything worked fine. And uh, I'll give you one excuse. Uh, my main excuse is that in, in the Tesla, you put it in track mode, which I helped develop, by the way. Oh. Um, that's, that's another good story. After it tried to kill me. Okay. They hired me to help me help develop <laughs> it. Isn't that cool? But the steering, I noticed from doing track days and other things with unplugged performance, they're, they're working on being the AMG of Tesla. They're not related yet, <laughs> but they, they want to be the ones who are known for hopping up Tesla's unplugged performance. And I had done track days, and I realized that the steering, when it's in sport mode, it, it's electric, like everything else. If you need to steer fast, it won't. It won't keep up. Uh, the uh, Mustangs are that way. Almost anything with electric power steering, it can be a problem, except Porsches by the way, but I haven't noticed this on a Porsche, but when you get in trouble, when you're driving well, your hands should be slow, smooth, but when something goes wrong, you get too sideways, and you want to catch the slide, you got to be quick, catch it, correct that steering, and then if you catch it, the car's going to go where the wheels are pointed, well, where are the wheels pointed? Over there somewhere, so you catch it, you got to straighten it out. And you'll see drivers, you know, doing this, good drivers. You got to have fast hands to control a twitchy car, like a motorsport Porsche before the dot two, three, right. and two RS. And you couldn't do it. Well, the car, I always put it in comfort mode. Very, very light, no feel, isolated, nasty, but could steer really fast huh. and Catch the car. Well, that car hadn't moved. At Laguna, it was just stuck. At Pikes Peak, day one, stuck. Beautifully balanced, slow hands, turned a great time, qualified first by a lot. And so day two, well, actually, day, day one qualifying, I thought, okay, let's, let's try sport because the feel is so much better. And I was trying for that last bit of time. It was so good. It all seemed reasonable, and it worked great. Until it didn't. I hit the first big bump on the upper section, and the car snapped sideways like it had never done before. Snapped sideways, and, and I could correct, catch it, but it, it wouldn't come back quick. And it only takes that little bit. So I was like, got it, no! And we ended up, instead of going this way, we're going this way, and there's a wall over there which kept me from going over what they call bottomless pit. Yeah. <laughs> Thank God for the wall. For a reason. Yeah. 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 And uh, turned into a bad day. Yeah. But the team didn't, they, they said, this thing's totaled. And I'm like, well, I've seen worse. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, there was a guy, oh gosh, I'm trying to remember his name, Joe, at Porsche Colorado Springs. When we were just talking to Alex about how they, they seem to often have the special Porsches. Anyway, this guy loves Pikes Peak. And he called me and he said, hey, I heard about the crash. What do you need? Well, he had a body shop with Tesla trained techs in, in little old Colorado like, Springs. What are the chances? <laughs> yeah, what are the chances? And we, we uh, took the car down there. They started taking it apart and they're like, 
we might be able to fix this. The race isn't for three days. <laughs> it's good to have three days. <laughs> and, uh, well, short story, they bought another car, started swapping parts, and we made the start line and did the race on race day. It was amazing. Three days, day and night. You finished like second or third in that, didn't you? Second. Yeah. By 1.2 seconds. That's in 11 minutes. 1.2 seconds. And the, the, our car was way better than the other car. It was a Tesla that beat me. His car was a dead stock street car. Our car was highly, mo- well, the drive tra- train is the same because there's no way to do that. Tesla has it locked up. Yeah. But the um, suspension was all done, and it was lighter weight, and I had all kind of great stuff. Big brakes, great stuff. And they changed the both engines, or is it all three engines? How many, uh, not engines, motors, excuse motors, me. Yeah. Um, two, and uh, it was a Model 3 performance. They changed the both power units. They changed the subframes. They changed everything. We, and we got even got a little help from Tesla. They sent some guys down who weren't helpful. <laughs> they tried to be. They tried to be. They did the world's slowest alignment on that car. I mean, it was all together except aligning it. I wanted to go out and test it, right? Yeah. And hours and hours later, like, uh, you know, we're running out of time. The race is tomorrow. Can, can we see if it runs? <laughs> and we finally got it together. Well, we changed everything on the car but the battery. And oh. the Tesla guy said, plugged in and checked the battery out. Yeah, it's good. You're good. Well, it wasn't. So on race day, we're going like crazy for the first two minutes. It's a 10-minute run. First two minutes. Then everything on the dash turns red, and the car slows down to about half power. And they have about 500 horse, 450. So we're down around 200, which felt like I might as well get out and walk. You know, and, and but I ran it. I ran it, and I was mostly just praying the thing keep would keep going. Yeah, the whole dash was red. All, everything was hot, and and it made it. And I, I thought, well, you know, I'm I'm glad we made it. Well, a couple other fast cars. We were an exhibition, a lot of hot rods, uh, super special cars. Well, uh, several fast ones broke. They they didn't make it. And I didn't know this. I just knew my time was 11 minutes, and it should have been 10. And, uh, but we were there. At Pikes Peak, just getting to the summit is a victory. Yeah. And uh, I've learned that the hard way. And so we were there. And the guy in the other Tesla, super nice guy, Blake Fuller, came up. He drove his car there from Florida to race the hill climb. <laughs> oh, wow. And he comes over, Randy, oh, welcome, glad you're here, this is great. And I said, yeah, yeah, I know, like the car was, you know, didn't run right. And he goes, what was your time? I'm going, I don't know, uh, what was yours? I ran 11.07. I said, oh, great, hey, glad to see you up here, good. And uh, then he comes, comes back later, he goes, hey, Randy, I checked your time. I said, oh, really, what did I run? And, you know, secretly, I'm hoping, I hope it's faster. I hope it's faster. Hope it's faster. <laughs> 11.06. Yeah. 11.08. Yeah. You know, or whatever. It was 1.2 seconds. Yeah. And I'm going, you know, you look back, 14 miles of, of driving up that hill. In one second. 1.2 seconds. Uh, but uh, he actually went faster for a dead stock car than we did for a modified one. But 
Anyway, your turn. Sorry. <laughs> well, what did you what did you win it in the because you won it the next year? What did, what was your time in the plaid? Oh, uh, well, we came back again the next year. This crazy team unplugged performance invited me to come back again this year with a brand new Tesla plaid. We had had it for one week before the race and they put a roll cage in it. There, there's something fun about that. I did that a couple of times in my career. I, I got a brand new car. Like I raced for Toyota a million years ago. Got a brand new Toyota MR2 supercharged. Drove it from Toyota in Torrance, Southern Cal. Uh-huh. I lived in Florida. Yeah. Drove it from there to uh, Russ Collins' shop, RC Engineering, and immediately started removing the interior and drilling holes in it and putting a roll cage in it. That's kind of cool. Brand new car. I got a speeding ticket on the way, by the way. <laughs> As you should. From never be first, by the way, in my Randy's rules of speeding, never be first. Always get somebody ahead of you. But uh, anyway, um, the, we came back the next year with a plaid. Yeah. But the plaid, or, or the, in 2021, last year, Bad weather at the top of the mountain caused them to shorten the run. Oh, that's right. That's right. We only went to Devil's Playground, which is about two-thirds of the way up. And we had a good run. Car ran great. Everything was perfect. So it was vindication. It felt so good. But we can't can't compare compare the time. We could compare to Devil's Playground. Oh, yeah. Okay. But I don't have that number. (laughs) But I guarantee you it was way faster (laughs) because the three was, was weak. You yeah, know, we run at half power. It was kind of crippled. Well, I mean, Dan and I were talking about this last night. What's the record right now? It's an electric car, and it took like two minutes off the... Eight minutes, and it's in yeah. a Volkswagen Pikes yeah. Peak Hill Climb car. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's going to change things. As yeah, far the as fastest you know. time ever in gravel was Millen at 10.04, yeah. when that was full gravel, which is, if you think eight minutes is insane in electric, that was on asphalt. Just two minutes in gravel all the way to the top? That's crazy. I don't know how. Uh, yeah, I was noticing your shirt, which we all wore essentially accidentally. The screaming chicken. Yeah. I was given 12 shirts by Avance, and I had a choice of wearing 12 shirts tonight, and I wore this one. Of course, the people at the Frontier Tavern think we work for Dirtfish, so that's good. That's true. Yeah. Dan Uh, and I have this tendency where we have all the same things, and we end up wearing them and not talking to each other about it, but it's nice to see you in the same shirt. Well, it's special for you. Yeah, it's a little bit different. Yeah. Is that where this came from? Uh, Adam, does this have anything to do with, with me? It's just a happy coincidence? Yeah. Now would be a good time to He's say lying. yes. Yeah. He's lying. Yeah, no. yeah. Like a rug. Anybody recognize this image? Oh, absolutely. absolutely. No, from the audience. Trans Am, yes. Yeah. This is the screaming chicken that's on the hood of Trans Am's like Smokey and the Bandit He's in down. the 70s. Yeah, yep. 77 Trans Am. I actually currently own one, and we're doing a mild restoration on it. And uh, I've got a, a partner, 24 years old, Air Force pilot, Nathan Amaral. And uh, he and another troublemaker and I were all sitting around having pizza after a track day. And, and this is down in the uh, Bay Area, Sacramento. And one of them says, hey, anybody want a 77 Trans Am? I know where there is one. And I'm like, nope, got too many cars, too many projects, don't need the car. How much? <laughs> yeah. No one in here can relate at all. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, uh, okay. And then the next question on any classic car for me is stick. Yeah, there you go. It was automatic. Mm, no, thanks. Stick. It was a stick. I'm like, uh-oh. 
And I'm going, no, I don't need it. No, I got too many projects. I live in Atlanta anyway, blah, blah, blah. But Nate's like, hey, I'll work on it in my garage. <laughs> and, and well, that was. We all have those friends that are enablers. Dan's mine. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. So I understand that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but, you know. So, well, Spoken the Bandit was an automatic, though, wasn't it? Uh, probably. It had to have been. Yeah. Especially well, with I don't jumping think, across the bridges. And that kind I'm of, not yeah. sure Bert knows how to drive a well, clutch. Well, that's what I'm saying, yeah. <laughs> Sally Fields is in the car. You just got to do. get a YouTube video of you pulling a Rockford in it. That's what I want to see. Oh, yeah. yeah can that's do that. a must. Oh, Nate keeps showing me uh, videos of donuts with my car. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like... He goes, yeah, check it out. Does great donuts. I'm going, Nate, what are you doing with my car? Just testing the EFI, boss. <laughs> he's 24. Yeah. Uh, but he's the he's like, leave it to Beaver. He's bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, you know, just makes you feel good about the next generation. He's just terrific. And he's one of those few young people that's into cars and wrenches and oil and gas. And, and uh, he works so hard. He... It, I have five race car projects in five different shops, including my own garage. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good and problem. This is the only one that's getting done, thanks to Nate. <laughs> and we got all kind of, uh, like, partners. Nobody seems to want to say sponsor anymore. Huh. They're not sponsors. They're partners. But we got all these cool parts. I should probably list them. We're on a podcast. Sure. Summit Racing. Um, that's the guy that started it. I just talked to, to, how did I get hooked up with him? I can't remember. But Summit Racing, and then the guys at year one gave us some wheels that looked like the original Snowflake wheels, oh, cool. but they're 17 inch instead of 15 inch. You get some actual traction out of them. Sweet. Yes, and they look just perfect yeah. on the car. And um, then we've got these, this new exhaust system from a company called Pipes. And uh, Original. their logo has flames in it. And on the back of their T-shirt, which I'm probably, oh, I shouldn't say that. Anyway, on the back, there's a picture of a buxom, pretty woman holding her ears. <laughs> so they're old school. Uh, yeah, old, very, very. I think they make exhaust for Harleys, too. Because oh. it has a Harley flavor. Flames. Yeah. Flames. Really cool. We just put those on. They were great. And um, we've, we've also got uh, Toyo Tires. And uh, we're going to need them oh, with the donuts. Yeah, no kidding. Yes. Thank God for tire sponsors. That's yeah. a, it's a long list. We got a Holly Sniper. I saw the EFI going in there. That was a cool video to watch. Oh, thanks for watching. Yeah, of course. Yeah. A Holly Sniper EFI and a HyperSpark Ignition. Yep. And um, we're going to have bare brakes, which are big. They're like the real deal. And Nate. I call him Nate Dog all the time, but Nate, Nate is always saying, we got to LS swap this thing. We got to LS swap this thing. I'm going, at some point, it's going to not be a 77 Firebird anymore. And I want it to be a 77 Firebird. I don't care if this 400 doesn't make the power an LS will. Yeah. You know, it's vintage. And we got a four-speed with a Hearst shifter, you know, oh, and it's nice. external forks. And it, it's kind of not that good. But it's it's seventy seven. <laughs> kind of not that good. Yeah, that's weird. It's not that yeah. good. Not that yeah, good. Yeah, the play in first is like a whole gear change. That, yes. Yeah, that's that's where the bird comes from. Thank you. I appreciate that because yeah. we're having a ball with it. And guess what? You know, Smokey and the Randit. We call it the, the Randit. The Randit. Yes, and that the Randit driven by the rocket. Is yeah. that how it's going to go? Oh uh, um, no, chased by the Smokey. Oh okay. And okay, here's a test. The, Commentators can't answer. Okay. 
What does the license tag say on Burt Reynolds' car in Smokey and the Bandit? Close. Audience said Bandit won. That wasn't it. That's close. It's close, though. Ban won. Oh. So what does the tag I got say? Yes. Ran one. Yeah, there you go. Ran one. Okay. And I'm from Georgia. Yeah. So it's the right state. And I'm going to do this event in two weeks called One Lap of America. Oh, yeah. I've been following that since I was a kid. Yeah. Yeah, it's, awesome. It's cool. Yeah. And um, I'm doing it with a buddy at Sentimental. He's got cancer, and he's, he's hanging in there, but it doesn't look too good, frankly. Um, Enrique Ramirez, he was a marketing manager at Road America. Oh, okay. And uh, so we're doing this together. Again, in a BMW X3M, uh, an SUV, but we're in the, they have an SUV class, and that's why we, how we ended up in it. There's like, no slouch anymore, though. Right. That'll be comfortable, I mean, though. Porsche really changed the game, because it's like, when, they, when the Cayenne came out, everybody kind of rolled their eyes until it saved Porsche, and things like the 918 dropped, and we're like, Thank, yeah, all the SUVs, please, because then we get really cool cars. But now the other manufacturers are cluing in, and they actually don't handle that bad. I mean, besides being super high up, tight suspension, the body roll isn't like it used to be. These things actually move. It's fun. It's yeah, no and this is a good one. Yeah, and I I borrowed it from Dynan APR Tuners. In fact, oh. Dynan was from no the Bay Area. I keep thinking I'm in the Bay Area. I'm much better than that up here. I, I, we have, have, I, have, here. I had a three series Dynan. I, it's oh, wonderful, yeah. absolutely wonderful car. Wonderful tuning. Wonderful to work with. Great kind of place you could actually call down and say, I have a problem, and somebody would talk to you. Sometimes it was Steve Dynan. <laughs> so, yeah. I raced against him Did you? Okay. years ago. Yeah. He had a bad-to-the-bone twin-turbo V8 M5 in uh, Bridgestone Supercars, maybe? Uh, anyway, <laughs> uh, they had actually hired me at one. I ran into them at a track day, and they, they hired me a few months later to... Uh, test their cars I guess they had like eight cars that were all tuned up and everything was tuned to make two or three hundred more horsepower than they do stock and uh, Dynan and APR recently merged and I think they haven't decided what to call it yet so it's Dynan and APR and uh, they basically the testing just involved I just drove the cars Oh, darn. <laughs> that sounds horrible. Uh, yeah. Should I tell you how it worked or something? Oh, no. Drive this. Drive this. Okay. Best day ever. <laughs> and so that's why I said, well, I know these guys. I'm going to call them up and see if we can borrow a car. And they said, yes. They're in Auburn, Alabama, and I'm up in Atlanta. It's not that far. And I went down there to see the car a few weeks ago. The event is in May. I went down there, and they had done Smokey and the Bandit on this, it was a black X3M, and it says Trans X3M. <laughs> and the whole thing looks, it looks like a Smokey and the Bandit car. That's awesome. Yeah, it's so cool. So you're going to be buying yourself a giant semi full of Coors too? Uh, well, it is an SUV. I mean, so you could carry the Coors. Okay. <laughs> Get that wagon theme on the side. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. It's a runny dry county, so it be fine. Uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be good fun. It's kind of cool with the with the Trans Am theme, you know. Yeah. And uh, we're we're looking forward to that event. And what one lap of America is is you hot lap at a racetrack for time, three yeah. laps, and then you drive 500 miles to another racetrack and you do it again, and you drive 500 miles to another, and you do that for a week, solid. It's it's really fun. And we, I got to run last year with Enrique in a Porsche Cayenne. Oh. It was a Cayenne S. And uh, 
the guy, I got in at the last minute because another guy gave up his seat so I could run with Enrique. And uh, so this year, that guy, we, well, we want him to come. So there's going to be three of us. Okay. So number one, whatever car we had, had to be able to hold three people for over 3,000 miles. <laughs> so that limited it a lot. You know, they had a, they have a 911, um, whose license plate says only a T and the thing's making 650 horse or something from the three liter <laughs> turbo. And I would love to have run that car, but you can't get three full size people in there for 3000 miles. Unless you're really good at yoga. Yeah. Yes. One's going to be uncomfortable. So we ended up with the SUV. How's your addiction to motorcycles going? Well, I was just over at uh, Haggerty Social. Yeah, yeah. you're at your Social. Uh, Thanks to them, you are here today. It's, yeah. yeah it's, Is it? Yeah, yeah it's great. Devon's and Haggerty. Great. Why you're here, thank you very much to Haggerty. Yeah, I was just there. Yeah. And I, in fact, I'm going to do a Haggerty video in two weeks with Ooh. Jason Camissa, which is cool. And uh, anyway, I was just over there, and, and we, we had a, a meeting with some of the members. We just hung out and had lunch and... They say, hey, let's go down and just walk through the garage. I'm, <laughs> tell me which car here is your favorite. I said, sure, man. That sounds great. So which 2RS did There's you stand like next to? <laughs> 50 cars, about 10 of them in there. Right. <laughs> Most but, of them uh, in the state are there. Yeah. yeah. Well, we, we never got there. Was, we, we, oh, went out the, why. we went out the door, <laughs> and we're going down the Bikes. stairs. Yep. And on the first landing, there's a Vincent Black Shadow sitting there. It's a... Yeah. Greatest motorcycle in the history of motorcycles from the early 50s in England. And I'm like, nope, stop. There's my favorite car right there. That Vincent you Black should, Shadow. You should have been the guy. And the, there's, a, there's a lovely lady here, Amanda, It was there. And I was there when we put it up there. And um, the contraption that we used to get it up there and what it was worth at the time, well, I think we used like $25 worth of lumber and yeah, a totally. forklift. <laughs> Because um, it was forked up, it was forked up there into the lounge, and then we made a ramp to get it from the, the stairs to. Yeah, Amanda was there. Needless yeah. to say, we were going to throw ourselves under it as it fell on yeah, top of I us, mean, just yeah. in case. But I we know. got it there. Yeah, <laughs> I know. When I saw it there, yeah. I was thinking, how did they get that up there? You wouldn't want to know, and nor would the insurance company. So. <laughs> I, looked, I looked at the window. I'm like, did it come in from there? No. Nope. That would have been easier. Yeah. 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 Good for you. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I almost fell off that ledge. Uh, so um, that bike has been uh, the the topic of so many conversations. I mean, yeah. everything from wine conversations because it's on the that bike is the one off the cover of or on the Mark label, Ryan, uh, Mark Ryan's. Yeah, it's on a Mark Ryan wine label, I believe. Yeah, I think it's Mark Ryan. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, with Raleigh fingers. I don't know. Doing the top speed run? Oh, yeah. yeah. I, know yeah, yeah. I know the yeah. photo, but yeah. I know it's not that picture that's on their label. Oh, it's okay. On their, I think it's on their board track racer. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But There's I mean, a good it, song about that bike, too. Richard Thompson. Yeah. Uh, 52 Vincent, I think, is the name of the song. Huh. We'll look it up. I will look or it up. Vincent Black Lightning. Yeah. It's pretty cool. All right. Well, tell us what you know about the bike. Like I said, I knew nothing about it too when when it first showed up, and I had I've learned through talking to Dan and and, and the owner and things like that. But it does tend to catch the eye, especially where it's sitting. What's exceptional about this motorcycle was in the early fifties, it was the fastest motorcycle ever made. It set the land speed record for a motorcycle, in in the early fifties, and it's a uh, it's a V twin about a thousand cc's, and it has among other things a, a monoshock suspension oh, yeah, right. design which was like Unheard 70 years ahead of time okay 50 i don't know way it was crazy 
so advanced that that uh, they did that, and the uh, things are pretty very limited production, and they were just light years ahead of everything else. Yeah. In the fifties, the British were the motorcycle kings. Everything was better. BSA in the seventies. The British were building the exact same motorcycles they built in the 50s, and it was no longer the leading technology. They were cool, but... Yeah, style, but not didn't keep up. Yeah, what are you, what are you writing now? Up. Well, you oh, know, I know you have like 15, I, but like... You I have do, a, you wow. Have How many are you in your You're living amazing. room? I remember you talking about that yeah. when we had dinner. I have two in the house. Okay. <laughs> and I think we were talking because I had my monkey in the living room at the time when we had dinner last oh, time. Oh, yeah, so, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. I have a monkey. Yeah. Did you get one? Well, a new one. Oh, yeah, so yeah, we, we have a new one. Oh, okay. You were originally going to come on the monkey run. We were trying to get, remember? Oh, yeah. yeah. And we did yeah. We're I doing saw, it again this wait year. Wait a minute. I yeah. saw a video. Yeah. yeah. Well, we're doing it again this yeah, year. We're no going kidding. to Idaho this year. So get your monkey ready. Let's go. You're not riding to Idaho. No. <laughs> we're going to ride 600 <laughs> miles a long down ride. Idaho. <laughs> yeah. 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 My monkey bike, it's a 125cc uh, Honda mini bike. That It looks like the one that they made when I was a kid in 1970. But it's a lot bigger, actually. Yeah. And the one I have was on the Motor Trend motorcycle show called Throttle Out. They rode two of them all the way down the Baja Peninsula, like they were doing the Baja 500 on these 125cc bikes. That's how that started, because Dan and I watched that, and, he, and Dan goes, we should do back road, backcountry discovery route. And I go, yeah. And then when we were having dinner, we were just trying to still put it together. And we got, it got shortened this year, last year because of the fires. But, yeah, we're going to do it every year now. So if you want to come. Hell, yeah. Okay, we'll get you in. Yeah, I'm so, there. Okay. I, mean, <laughs> I am there. It's the most fun we've ever had on a motorcycle. You just need a lower gear. Yeah, we just went down yeah. in the front. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just bring it out yep. and dirt that's tires cool. and suspension. And that's it. Full Olin suspension. Yeah, <laughs> you need that. Trust me. Oh yeah, full. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, yeah. I'll show you mine now. No, it doesn't I look just, doesn't look stock anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, but what are you riding? What are your favorites? I know you have so many, but like, give me a, a couple of your good ones. Well, I'll start by saying the reason the motorcycles are in the house is not because of my dedication to bikes and I chose them as pieces of art. It's because I bought bikes I shouldn't be buying and there was no more room in the garage. You know that feeling? Anybody else have that problem? <laughs> yep. Yeah. Very, very well. I just couldn't get it in the garage. And so they end up in the house. Anyway, my, my favorite, most of them are older Japanese bikes. I, that's what I grew up with and I, I've always been a fan. And uh, my favorite is uh, Honda CBX. Oh, yeah. And that's cool because it's six cylinders. Straight six. Yeah, air-cooled. And when you sit on the bike, the engine is sticking out from the tank on both sides. It's, it's just, the engine is ridiculous. Really wide and really beautiful. Everything's symmetric. These six pipes come out of there like a waterfall. And the engine is, is used as the frame. It, it, what do they call that? There's a word for that. And anyway, a stressed member, which means there's no frame rail in front of it. The engine is just hanging out the front of this motorcycle in all of its glory, and it's a six-cylinder. And I'd always wanted one and put a six-into-one exhaust system on it just to hear it yeah. because it has one of the most glorious exhaust notes you'll ever hear. Is it a, it's air-cooled, right? Yeah, air-cooled. That's the way it sits out front. Yeah, okay. yeah. yeah you could, old couldn't school. put a radiator there. <laughs> yeah. You could okay. if you put water around the cylinders. Yeah. It was the fastest production motorcycle for about six months in 1979 and then kawasaki came out with a six-cylinder 1300 water-cooled 
but it had a radiator in front of it, and so it just wasn't as pretty. Uh, but a water cooling is a really good idea when you have six cylinders. <laughs> yeah. Because those middle cylinders, they don't get much cooling. It's, uh, you know, not a, not a great idea. But it was a beautiful, and it's artwork. Yeah. I've I, seen I would a few definitely, over the years. They're beautiful. In fact, I'd, yeah, I'd have that engine in, in my house. Um, so that's, that's kind of my favorite bike I have, but it's done cafe racer style. Mm-hmm. I like uh, vintage cafe racer style. The bars are low, and it looks like a racing motorcycle from the 60s or the 50s. And these days they build things, um, and I love to see, there are young kids, the hipsters oh, yeah. downtown will get an old Honda motorcycle and strip it, and they call it a cafe racer. But what it really is is a bobber. They put a little bitty seat on it and no fenders and maybe knobby tires, and it's a cool style. But uh, at my age, I prefer a cafe racer like yeah. old school and low, and uh, that's how the CBX is. It's just, it's not that fast, uh, but it was fast in 79. <laughs> it's still fast. Uh, but it makes, oh, the sound is so glorious. Yeah. Sounds a little bit like a GT3 at about 8,000 RPM, actually. That is a great sound. <laughs> yeah. When we had dinner last time, and do you still have your Volvo race car? I do. You do? Can you I talk do. a little bit about that? Like, we, we talked a lot about it about dinner at dinner because it kind of was not something I expected to come from you. Like, yeah, I got a Volvo race car. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like, what'd you say? Yeah, I'm Volvo sorry. I'm sorry, I'm sorry yeah. A Volvo race yeah, car? Yeah, Volvo, yeah, okay. Volvo yeah. race car? I, I raced for Volvo and uh, for six years. I had a factory contract driving for Volvo in the World Challenge Series. And at the time, this whole genre of budget endurance racing was, was growing up. Uh, 24 Hours of Lemons. They had something called Chump Car that turned into Champ Car. And basically, you go out and buy a cheap car and come out and run really long races and have a good time with your buddies. And I wanted to do that. Well, I had a Volvo contract. So I figured, well, if I'm going to buy a cheap car and race it, then it ought to be a Volvo, right? I'm not going to show up with a BMW. And besides, that's cheating because BMWs and Miatas are really easy to make work. And <laughs> they, they make good race cars cheap. Yeah. And uh, so I got a Volvo 740 Turbo. And I've always thought the rear drive Volvos were kind of cool. Yeah. And especially mine. It's a 1990 and it had this great... Scandinavian scan design font on the back that said intercooled <laughs> really cool and uh, it's a big square sedan uh, the engine is is really durable uh, but the rest of the car I don't know <laughs> not everything so else is just Volvo yeah it didn't really want to be a race car but we made it one that's and, weird <laughs> <laughs> yep and we we call it the flying moose that's right <laughs> And that came from all the way back when I first tried this. I tried a Mazda RX-7. I was going to ask you about that next. I couldn't get it to run. (laughs) Shocking. Weird. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Rotaries are not easy, and uh, especially carbureted. And I couldn't get it to run. And my whole idea, when you do this budget endurance racing, I was really aiming at lemons, which is kind of a, there's like a comedy theme. You're supposed to be funny. And I don't like trying to be funny, but I'm, Me ve- I'm vegetarian, and so I was going to tie my race car to being vegetarian and have some fun with it, and there's a vegetarian app for finding good restaurants called Happy Cow, 
And so I was going to put a happy cow in the back of my Mazda. And, um, well, the Mazda never came to fruition. I couldn't get it to run. I sold it to another great young kid who, who did get it to run and did real, did real well with it. Huh. But so um, we started out as kind of a happy cow racing. Well, then I end up with this Volvo, right? Well, it's from Scandinavia. So this thing ought to be what? The happy moose. So we called it the go. happy moose. And we raced it and we had pretty much no success, but we had a good time. <laughs> and over the years, it got better. And then this guy, I was always looking for somebody who would work on the car in return for racing it. Because I want to race, but I don't have the time. And I don't want to, I have to turn off my whole life to spend hours in the garage building a car, even at this level. And this guy helped me out, who used to uh, work on like Team Corvette, Team Viper, all these real race teams as a mechanic. And he improved the car so much that I decided it was too good to be the happy moose, so we turned it into the flying moose. Nice. Because it kind of got, got kind of fast for the class it's in, at that genre. You're Put the reason all those bumper it. stickers that look like Ferraris, but they're mooses, huh? Well, there's a guy <laughs> named Dave Barton yeah. who is a Volvo fan, and he got this idea to make a badge for the Volvo that looks like a Ferrari badge. But instead of a prancing horse, it's a prancing moose. And it's pretty funny. Yeah. And, but he got in big trouble. And he yeah. got in trouble with Ferrari. But, <laughs> of course. But, yeah, like, <laughs> what do you care if 300 people put a sticker on their car that looks... But anyway... They look awesome but, on Volvo. <laughs> yes. Yeah, guess what? Yeah. That was legal. Oh, okay. There wasn't a problem there. But he had the badge, and it said Volvo on it. And oh. Volvo didn't like it. You can't use their name. You've probably experienced this maybe in other ways. And yeah. That's fine. It's their name. Yeah. So he made the badges without the Volvo. Yeah. And so I thought that was cool. And we actually put that on our car <laughs> until I decided the car was too good to be a, uh, a happy moose. It needed to be a flying, flying moose. moose. Well, what do you do? We put wings on the moose. Perfect. And that way it's no longer Dave's design. It's ours, and it looks pretty cool. <laughs> nice. So that was, that was fun. But the, the cool thing is, for me, at, at my level, is to be like a team manager, an engineer, and, you know, develop my own race car. And we won our last race, which for – I've been running the car for eight years. <laughs> it's bound to happen. But, but we won. We, yeah, I, I – I, um, Made a deal with another guy. I mean, I'm always looking for somebody with a lot of time and enthusiasm to work on the car in return for driving it, right? Well, I found a guy from Alabama named Sam Collier, and he's a Volvo guru. He's been amazing for the car. That's big reason why it's gotten competitive. And then at one of the races, I met a woman named Laura Vernon from Asheville. She's a car dealer. Huh. And... Um, Laura came over and said hi, and, and she was driving with another woman in a BMW. And um, when the race started up again, I went over to see how she's doing. Well, she's like third overall. I mean, she's doing great. I go, wow, this woman can drive. And so we made a deal, and she gave me a little bit of gas money. I let her race the car, and we had three fast drivers. 
And so the, the, the race we won, it's raining. It's, it's not that long ago in South Carolina, like a month ago. And it's raining. Well, I don't mind. I'm good. I'm good with rain. And uh, so Sam. Laura, for me, was a big question mark. Uh, Laura is an interesting study because she's only been racing about two years. And um, when I was talking to her, I, about three times I asked her that because I kept forgetting. Because the way she talks and the, the way she looked on track, she looked like she was you know, been in this a while. And uh, no, only two years. And uh, so we, we all get ready to go race in the rain. She's a question mark because she says to me, she says, I only, yeah, I've, I've only done a, a few races, but I've done a lot of sim. And I went, oh, really? Because, you know, I'm in my 60s, and I have not done a lot of sim. And every time I've tried it, it's been terrible. Well, especially in like 1988, <laughs> which was like the last time I tried sim. They didn't call it sim then, right? Or on the Commodore 64? Yes. yes. <laughs> Xbox. And I'm like, oh, this is a fun game, but it's not like driving. Well, we go out and we run the race and we, Sam starts and he comes in shortly after the beginning, maybe 40 minutes in. He said, the brakes, the brakes have gotten really bad. And I'm like, oh, man, because he was doing very well. I can't remember if he was leading, but he's up front. And um, I said, hey, look, if, if you feel like it's not safe, bring it in. He brought it in. We're looking. The right rear brake pads fell out. <laughs> <laughs> fell out. That'll do it. <laughs> well, you know who put them in? Laura. I'm going to finger Laura. She put them in. She's a good mechanic. Well, you know, she didn't know the Volvo. The Volvo, they're held in with these pins, and you got to take a punch and pop that spring pin in there, and she didn't know that. And so they're gone. (laughs) So at least we found the problem, right? And I had more pads. We throw them in. This is fun, by the way. It really is. But, you know, I'm not an organized person. (laughs) I'm, I'm not a good leader. But at a race... It's a whole different world. The mode it comes on. Turns the brain on. Yeah. I like it. I like the driving part. And just the, my whole psyche is strong at a race. I know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of fun to think back and listen to myself. I was like, get the jack. Get the brakes. Get a coat hanger. And, <laughs> and we, we get it together and, and send Sam back out on the track. And we lost... 16 minutes. This is a seven-hour race. That's a long time. That was, I think it was six laps. We're down six laps. And Sam goes around. He runs good. And then they have a church break. This is South Carolina. They have a church break for an hour. And it's raining. And we've just had our fuel system all redone by Holly, my same friends yeah. at Holly. And so um, normally... You have to change drivers every two hours, uh, but you don't have to put fuel in. And, but if you do put fuel in, you have to sit for, I think it's five minutes, right? So because of the church break, they made a funny rule in the series. They said, you can change drivers if you want. So we changed. It's raining. And we're like, well, this thing will probably go longer than two hours if all this works. So I'm going to drive, and I'm going to look for a full-course yellow, and we're doing strategy. 
And I never see a full course yellow. We go another hour and figure, uh, I don't want to run out of gas. Let's stop. So we, we fill it up, and it's raining, and you can't see. We don't have a defroster. It's slippery. It's tough conditions. And, uh, I mean, the risk is high. I can, I can feel the danger out there. There's about eh, 35 cars on a two-mile track, little club track in South Carolina. We're having fun. And we come in. Now we pit stop, fill it up with fuel, and Laura's getting in. And I'm, I'm really worried because I've never seen her in the rain. She, and I know she hasn't been racing very much. And I must have pissed her off. I told her like six times, really tough conditions, Laura. <laughs> you know, do, do your thing. Do what you do. But it's really tough conditions, out there because yeah. it was very difficult. It took everything I had. And um, she gets in. She goes out. And I'm checking on her times, and I'm, I'm watching her on track, and I'm like, man, she's doing a great job. She, it's beautiful. She's moving up. And, but, you know, we're six laps down. Well, then we're five laps down. Well, then I get back in again. We're four laps down. And that, well, how did we do that? It was her. and the, Oh, yeah. It was Sam, me short, then Laura for two hours. No spins. Didn't hit anybody, never went off, almost did about 80 times, but, but caught it. And I mean, I was so impressed. And I'm getting to that. And uh, <laughs> I don't even remember the question. <laughs> she can Volvos. only go. Volvos. Oh, Volvos. Yeah, Volvo. okay, yeah, I got you. She can only go yeah. two hours. That's funny. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so she comes in. Man, I mean, like, did a great job. And then I get back in and finish the race. And we're getting near the end of the race, and the, the team is reporting to me, we're on the lead lap. We've made up six laps. And five minutes for the fuel stop, right? Yeah, because yeah. we didn't do the other fuel stop. Yeah. Five minutes stop is like three laps right there, maybe more, counting stopping. And all. Anyway, <laughs> we get down to the end of the race. And the guys ahead of us were, were second or third. A couple of guys, somebody has to stop for fuel. Somebody spins out. We win the race. And I'm over here thinking about Laura. And all of a sudden, I'm thinking, you know what? Maybe these Sims are better than I thought. Because <laughs> this woman is a really good driver. I, I joke with her. I call her my new best friend. Because she loves cars. She knows that a 67 Chevelle came with a 396 big block. She's a really good motorcycle rider. And uh, so uh, she's my new best friend. And she invited me to the Sim place where she's done a lot of racing. It's in Asheville. Mm -hmm. They've got modern, uh, top-of-the-top Sim setup. And um, I did a little bit of Sim racing there and it was amazing. It, was, it really was pretty good. And I realized that she, I mean, she did a lot of sim. Like they do a 24-hour. And oh, they geez. actually drive for 24 hours. They do pit stops and switch drivers. And it's incredible. Huh. And this, she learned from it. She, she drives like somebody who's been racing a lot. And uh, I just changed... It elevated my opinion of sim racing a lot. 
I'm hearing about it all the time, mostly from young people. I say, a lot of young drivers we interview, it's a, like an essential part of their training for them. Yes. Which is crazy. Well, it's a lot cheaper than putting a car on track, too. Yeah. I mean, you especially know, the wrecks. Yeah. 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 Especially Actually, the wrecks. I was yeah. going to talk to you about that as the last yeah. question. <laughs> yeah. I was going to talk to you about that as, as part as my last question for this. One of, you, one of the things, one of the quotes that I love that you said is that you don't get scared when you crash, you get depressed. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> and I was reading about a crash you had in a car that I used to have, which is an old FDRX7. And it was oh. the yellow one without the padding on the cage. My world record crash. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. I'm not good at short answers. Have you noticed that? I, I have heard, but I think it's a great story. And this is why you should pad your roll cages. <laughs> oh, man. So we're racing a, an RX-7 in 1994. Cool twin turbo car in a, a series, very street-oriented. Mm-hmm. I forget what they called it at the time, Coney Challenge or Motorola Cup or something. And with T.C. Klein Racing, yep. uh, the guy I ran the touring cars with. And... I sit down in the car, and it's new. We have just built it, and they're, they're still finishing it. And they're having a little trouble getting the thing to run right. Sure. And I sit in the car on a practice day at Road Atlanta, the test day before official practice, sit down, and bing, I, I hit my head on the roll cage, my helmet. And I look, and I'm like, oh, it's, it's not padded. And I called up TC on the radio. I go, hey, TC, we need to pad this roll cage. And uh, he's like... Oh, yeah, 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 we'll get to it, we'll get to it. Well, the car's not happy, and they're trying to get it running, and they don't get to it. So the next day, or was that later? I think it was the next day, first official practice. I don't know if you remember after that crash. Yeah. (laughs) Concussions. Don't let your children play football. Or for God's sake, don't let them box. But anyway, that's just my me saying. I anyway, did both. <laughs> next <know>. day, yeah. <laughs> next day, Squirrel. we're out in practice. I turned the fastest time of the section, our session, excuse me, in this RX-7 at Road Atlanta, and this is Road Atlanta in the old days. In the old days, you came down a mile long straightaway, then you go steep downhill, turn and go steep back uphill and break aiming right at this bridge and a big dirt bank. And we're, we were doing 152 in the RX-7, which is pretty good for a streetcar. With 276 horsepower. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And 152, and I come down in there, I get on the brakes, and the brake pedal is really firm, really hard, but the car's not stopping. And I had, I had not... Never had that happen before. Yeah. This is in the 90s, 94. Well, in the 90s, ABS was not very smart. And it wa- it's not real great on a racetrack. And something in that system had, didn't work. Uh, I don't know what it was, but I had a firm pedal and no, almost no brakes. Car's slowing down a little, but not much. Well, I'm already braking as late as I dare. Yeah. Car's not stopping. I remember grabbing the wheel with both hands and pulling with all my might, like, Aah! and we're screaming towards this wall. And this is just like a video game. You ever had a video game crash? Oh, yeah. Where you're going about 180 miles an yeah. hour into the wall? Yeah. Well, this was real. <laughs> it's coming. It's coming it's fast, coming. and it's going to hurt. And, and so I'm, I didn't think of the handbrake, uh, which would have been better than nothing. I was still confused i'm like what's happening here 
And, well, I learned later on, it happened a lot in 90s cars to me. I had like five good crashes from ABS getting confused and turning off the brakes. Modern ABS is far better, and I don't think it ever happens lately. But What do you mean turned off the brakes? Define that for me. Well... It detects um, like slippage in ice, right, or something? When yeah. you push on the pedal with ABS, yeah. you send a signal to this device that then sends the pressure out to the brakes. And the device said, no. <laughs> and I don't want to do that. It, it may have been... Not to get be- too technical for you. I yeah. think it might be related no. to having a wheel in the air. Yeah, uh, I think that's what it was. You know, this dip. And the thing is, Road Atlanta... Since then, they changed the track. You come down that straight, and they have a real tight corner, turn 10A, and you turn real tight the other way, and you go up to where I was headed at that, on that day. And so today, I would have just gone straight off the track and into this giant gravel trap that's uphill. Uphill gravel traps are really good because yeah. you kind of sink in. Yeah. Uh, but then in 1994, uh-uh. I'm heading for this dirt bank, and we're flying. And the only thing that I thought to do was just throw the car sideways. And I get it a little sideways, but that also turns it in. And at the bottom of the bridge, there's a dirt bank, and the front wheel catches the dirt bank. And the car goes in the air and comes out from under the bridge, upside down, in the air. Hell of an entrance. Yeah. yeah. I mean, upside, corner yeah. worker was telling me about yeah. it. You know, I don't think he'd ever seen that before. You know you're supposed to keep the rubber down. Yes. Yeah. And for me, like I say, I don't get scared. Um, I get depressed because I'm thinking, I'm, I'm wrecking this car. Oh my God, race is over. The car's wrecked. Kind of gr- like when I went off Pikes Peak in the GTR. <laughs> oh, yeah. Same thing. That's another story where I think we're going to run out of time. But I'm upside down. I'm heading for that wall in a hurry. And the, then, you know, in these moments, time actually slows down. And I had this complete thought. I could end up in the hospital in this one. <laughs> it's going to hurt. And then, boom, you know, I hit the wall and the thing's spinning around and boom, and it's spinning around and boom. And and every time there's a boom, I hit my head on this unpadded roll cage and I see stars, just like, uh, you know, Looney Tunes when when they got hit by a baseball bat. Stars, stars, stars. And the thing lands on its wheels. And it was the first practice, and the photographers weren't out yet. Oh. <laughs> and it was 94, you know, the video cameras were like this big. I, I don't know. We, didn't, we don't have a video. If you're going to crash. Yeah, you want a video. Have have a, a video. style. And yeah, yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah, have a yeah. video for your grandchildren. You can see where the module said, nope. <laughs> yeah, it said no. Yeah. Uh, some systems call that ice mode. Okay. If they feel like there's not much traction, they have an ice mode that apparently works better on ice, but it doesn't work well on a racetrack. And it's not over. <laughs> I get out of the car on my own, and um, the corner worker is kind of running up. And we're, we're kind of at the bottom of the hill, and uh, at Road Atlanta, where I ended up, the whole pit lane can see that. So everybody on pit lane sees my yellow RX-7 come out from the... Guess I knew where you went. <laughs> I get out. The worker comes up. He goes, are you all right? And I started feeling a little woozy. 
And I, I put my arm around him. My favorite color is potato. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, you know, I think I should sit down. Next thing I remember, I'm staring at the uh, roof of an ambulance. And I could hear my wife talking to the ambulance driver. And they're chatting casually. You know, they, they don't sound too worried. And, and I do this. I do an inventory, right? Right leg, yeah. left leg, right arm, left arm, neck. I'm, hey, I think I'm okay. Back to the track. You know, I knew <laughs> I, yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't realize yet what all had gone on, but, but I called out to my wife, who was like right there. I go, hey, Linda, Linda, I'm okay. I'm okay, right? <laughs> well, guess what? I've been conscious and talking the whole time. <laughs> I don't know who that was, but it wasn't me. For one thing, they said I was really funny. So we know it wasn't me. And, and my wife, you know, it's kind of like I was sitting here okay. talking to you, right? And Are you sure sudden, he's not going to die? <laughs> so for her, it's like we're sitting here talking, and all of a sudden you go, hey. I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. Yeah. And you're like, Good. No, you're, you're not. not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I don't remember. Yeah. About two hours uh, of and a concussion. I had. I think I've had. I know I've had other smaller ones, but this was big. And so I ended up in the hospital. But they checked me out. Didn't see anything that wrong. They bring me back. I come back later that day. I'm walking down into the paddock, and here comes my team owner. TC, he's like a brother. I raced for them for years. And all he saw was that car come tumbling down the hill. And we walk up. First thing he says to me is, it's got a pedal. The brakes. He'd gone in the car and checked the brakes. And it worked. The car was crumpled up like a, an old handkerchief. But <laughs> I looked at him. And this is a family show. I said, well, it didn't effing stop. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like the steering will be bent on the bottom. Just from yeah. Yes, yeah. I did that. Yeah. And, you know, it was, this was kind of new to all of us. We, we just didn't realize that ABS could do this, just not give you any brakes. Yeah, I've also flown an RX-7. It's not fun. <laughs> oh, have you? I have, an FD. An FD? Oh, yeah. what happened? Oh, I was being very stupid and young. That's all. Uh, oh, <laughs> he tried to jump. A, it was just me. He tried to jump a freeway and did it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bad times. You're reminding me of my buddy Nate. Oh. <laughs> Nate, that's helping me. He he wrecked a Camaro, a new Camaro, and uh, just lost it in the corner, and you know, rolled it, and he was okay. But yikes. Yeah, it's just young and dumb. That was my only excuse. No other ones. So Yeah, well, I have an excuse. The brakes. It didn't effing stop. I wish I had an excuse. <laughs> Allegedly. <laughs> yeah. No, no. Yeah. Wait, well, there's more. Oh, okay. So the very next day, I was scheduled to drive in a GT race. I had been in these street-type cars for years. This was my first opportunity to drive in a GT race in a two-frame Camaro, like a Trans Am car, 600 horsepower, real race car. It was a big deal. And the next morning, I get up, and I'm a little... <laughs> oh, but I don't say anything to the guy, right? I'm driving that car. I don't care. I'm driving that car. And so he goes out, and he runs a good stint, and it's a three-hour race, and it's going to be him, 
me, and then him in the race. And so he's out there racing, and I'm on the wall at Road Atlanta watching the last corner. It's a really fast corner. And these slower cars are coming down the hill, and the faster cars are catching him, and somebody tries to get under this, this other car, and they tangle. And there's a crash, cars going around, and one of the prototypes slides to a halt in the middle of the road. And the next car through runs, runs right into the side of him. Big boom. Funny thing is, the guy sideways didn't get badly hurt, but the guy who hit him did. Uh, Jeremy Dale. You may remember that name. He was a comment, commentator on TV for years, and I think he maybe even runs a race team now, or he did. Okay. Messed up his legs big time. There's a long red flag for all this. He, it was really bad, and uh, it was about an hour. And so the team owners, like, he says, well, you know, Randy, I'm going to finish the race, too. So there went my stint. <laughs> But thank goodness, because I was, mm, I wasn't all there. I'm, I'm not normally all there anyway. But yeah, but you were aware that you weren't all there. At this point. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that was that was the drama that day. I mean, it sounds like it worked out well for you. You know, yeah, tasting colors. Um, so <laughs> you're good with that. Yeah, yeah. Concussions are a bad thing. Yeah, uh, I when I see these concussion sports, like especially fighting, it's total insanity. You know, you you get permanent damage from concussions. And, except now, I don't know, right? It's like I start forgetting things. I'm going, uh, is that just old age or is that the concussion or both? Probably both. I'm going to use the concussions. It's, it's a love of the sport, too, because I mean, boxers still get back in the ring. You still got back in the car. Oh, yeah. I guarantee yeah. all, you, all your roll pads were, 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 were had pads on the nah. roll bars. Yeah. Nah. Nah. <laughs> no. I, just, I typically get in and drive. I don't care. <laughs> you're like, just let me go, man. Yeah, I, I want to see the stars. You know, yeah. when you're addicted, you don't care. Fair yeah. enough. I, I just want another fix. Fair. I can understand that. All right. Well, thank you for everything. Thank you to our friends at Haggerty, especially for helping us put this together. Our partners at Haggerty, Randy. Thank you so much. It was so much fun. I, you have so you're one of those people that with so many stories. I just want to keep listening and going. I just know we're short on time for the guests. <laughs> but thank you so much. I appreciate everybody listening, and, and thank you for having me on and being a part of Avance. Anytime, yes. And my screaming chicken Avance T-shirt. Thank you very Done much. Done exclusively for you. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, good luck this weekend, by the way, because you're thank racing you Lucky for, Dog. Yeah, Lucky Dog Racing yeah. this weekend at the Ridge. Yep. Very cool. All right. Well, for this episode of the Avance Podcast, as always, I'm Nick. I'm Dan, and don't just get there. Enjoy the drive. That's it. God, my butt hurts. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.